Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. today i am very excited um i have with me a ttrpg performer uh podcaster producer uh writer so yeah if you would like to introduce yourself so we can get into all of those wonderful things uh yeah hi everyone my name is Alyssa. i do all of those things navar said i suppose uh <laughs> and yeah you can find me on twitter at a disaster queer yeah Awesome. Well, Alyssa, where I usually like to get started is how did you get into nerd stuff? Yeah, so I read fantasy books all the time as a kid. That was absolutely where I started. And I read yeah. a lot and I would just like write stories in my head about the settings and do all of that. And yeah. then I started, you know, playing video games and RPGs and just like wishing there were other options. But yeah. I didn't get into like role playing games until my mid twenties. So yeah, it is. Um, it is such an interesting thing, like how RPGs and teach RPGs specifically, like really open things up for kids who like are fantasy minded and um, just enjoy that creative process. Because everything else is like locked behind something. Like no matter how fun it is, it's still locked somewhere. Like I don't understand how we have three witcher games and you still can't just create a witcher like i get it it's Geralt's story but who cares Geralt exactly yeah even like Geralt could be siri the third game could have just been siri whatever yeah like. yeah yeah so yeah i don't know i mean it's it's one of those things like it's whatever i'm sure those things are more difficult to create too for game developers like i don't want to dismiss that but also um, I want what I want <laughs> and I will just be unsatisfied until I get it. So. No, absolutely. And then there's the problem of like, you know, the switch off between, oh, we have this specific main character so we can tell like a really specific story versus mm. you're kind of a blank slate. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm playing Elden Ring right now, which is a lot of fun. I'm having a great time with it, but I am just sort of like, I don't super understand what's happening. Like I enjoy the bits of lore. I have zero idea about who my character is or what they want. Yeah. Those games, I haven't played Elden Ring yet, but I've played Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. <clears throat> I've never beat any of them. I usually get bored before mm -hmm. getting that far. Um, But that's a big part of it because it's, it's like you're, it's, it's fun, like I enjoy the challenge and I enjoy trying to get better at the game, but also it's just like, what's what's the point? Like, why, why am I doing this? <laughs> just for the pain? Because um, that's not enough for me specifically. Um, so like, yeah, it would be nice if there was a story. Um, I mean, I think there's definitely like a lot of games that I would love to blend in, mm -hmm. in that way. Um, like playing Dark Souls, talking about Witcher 3, like playing Dark Souls actually gave me that mindset of like even if you're looking at the stat block the hp level of this monster if you are good enough and you can finesse it you can still win that fight and so i would sometimes do that in witcher 3 of like go into a fight where i'm not super prepared for and then just 
you know, play for 20 minutes, staying alive, and then finally beat the thing and then get a bunch of experience points. So it's like, that part of it is good. But yeah, I really want the story. Yeah, absolutely. And I would do the opposite of you in both Elden Ring and The Witcher, where I'd be like, I don't have the manual dexterity for this. I'm just going to be wildly overleveled. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> like, later. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's good. That's what, you know, it whatever works for you. I think what's like really threw me off, especially with Elden Ring, and I've talked about this before, but like I, I thought it was going to be more story driven mm-hmm. because they made a big deal about George R.R. Martin being involved. Yeah, it it's just it's just Dark Souls with more NPC story, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. It's whatever. Um, Alyssa, where did you grow up? Ah, uh, weird question. No, so <laughs> I moved around a lot. Um, I was born in Jamaica, but we moved to the U.S. Oh, when nice. I was like six months old. Um, yeah. and then moving through like Michigan and Massachusetts and Illinois, and then I spent a lot of time, uh, middle and high school in Northern Florida, which okay. was an experience for me. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. So. Born in Jamaica, is one of your parents Jamaican, if you don't mind my asking? Yeah, yeah. So my mom is Jamaican. Awesome. Uh, my dad is from the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Do you ever, like, do you still have, like, ties to Jamaica through your family? Do you guys ever go back, anything like that? Yeah, no. So I am actually estranged from that side of the okay. family, which is, yeah, no. And so the idea of going back is both, like, extremely cool and extremely weird. Um, yeah. Which is sort of my experience a lot with thinking about like heritage and race, like being Jamaican, I would love to talk more like to that family about mm-hmm. the sort of mix in the diaspora and the story. Um, there's a lot of my family's lineage comes from like India and coming over uh, from, you know, the British as mm-hmm. workers um, and being able to talk more about that and, you know learning more about that connection but that path is yeah. closed off to me at the moment so well that's super unfortunate because i think yeah it's that would be interesting to know um you know for yourself i i can imagine and it's i don't know like the diaspora in the u.s is so fascinating because it's like many of us just don't really know like outside of yeah. like you know years back and years back of you know slaves and then where you know where were they before that um and and then many of us know but then can't can't find out about it because of you know having a strange family and things like that so it's like it is so tough to just try to i don't know if reconcile those things is right the right word for it but like yeah to be able to just know and and have those questions and i can see how that would be difficult yeah i mean I don't know. It's especially weird because so my dad and his family is white. And so having that extra layer of like them just sort of ignoring it or not recognizing the impact of that is yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting <laughs> thing for sure. Like I, I definitely, so my mom's white and I definitely feel like she has done a good job of like never standing in the way of us learning about that and never and understanding too like this is how we identify because we're all all of her kids are um you know we all have brown skin and we look black like that's how we identify and so it's it's 
it's so interesting being in the U.S. because it's like I was watching a video of this guy um, yelling at these two police officers, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Oh, you, you know, fucking white guys." And they're like, "Well, we both have Spanish last names. Like, we're not white, but it's like, but you pass also, right?" So, so your experience is still that of like not a Latin person. So it's like, yeah, it's a interesting thing for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, did that like, did that affect you growing up? Um, Kind of that like mixed identity and dealing with that, especially through all the different places you lived? Yeah, no, I mean, it was thinking back on my childhood is wild because it's like my parents would talk about race, but never in relation to me. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't really affect me until we moved down to Florida and suddenly it was this very big thing, this big issue of like, oh yeah, no, you're not white and these kids know that and they're going to let you know that. Mm. And yeah. just, yeah, having um, my parents like just sort of try and brush over that or just like make like a joke about it to sort of ignore it as it related to me. And so that's definitely something that I've spent like a lot of my 20s sort of trying to reconcile and getting more connected with different like POC and different like, I don't know, just sort of trying to explore my identity and thinking about like being mixed and what that means for me. And I think that I do identify very strongly like specifically as like mixed rather than as a specific thing just because I do think that that has shaped so much of how I've moved through the world yeah definitely I think that's it's it's important that specifically is an important conversation because yeah some people are sort of you know uh have like an ethnic ambiguity to them right <laughs> um and it's and it, and it's hard to tell like I, I always like think of um jason scott lee the actor who played mowgli who's indian mm-hmm. uh, bruce lee who's chinese um <laughs> in the recent mulan movie he played uh mongolian i believe so it's like mm-hmm. you know like this like it's so and i, I think he is mixed too but it's yeah. just like yeah like sometimes sometimes one thing doesn't actually fit for all of us and and sometimes we're mixed and one thing is that's the label right and so it's right. yeah but it's important that having that distinction in there i think is important because it really does help um not leave people out who who kind of don't feel one way or the other yeah no i mean it certainly like still affected me like um what is it transplaner did mm-hmm. that like they do role for solidarity and yeah. it's like i am both black and asian technically but i do not feel qualified to apply for this yeah, because yeah. like i don't feel enough of either um yeah. yeah that's a fascinating thing i was talking to uh theta about another friend of ours who who just identifies as white but they're um like a quarter asian and so it's like <sighs> Yeah, but it's tough. I don't know. It's 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 a very fascinating thing. I think the important thing that I always like to think is like you are who you are and I think that that's that should always be enough. And I understand like the complication of like going into a conversation and be like, "Hey, I'm this thing." And people being like, "Um, right." <laughs> you know, because we there have been people out there who have pretended or used one thing or another at, in their advantage. And yeah, it's t- I mean, I still like I still struggle with logic, for instance, as a rapper. And because I'm like, 
Yeah, I get it. Like you said, you have a black dad, and you know, there's no reason not to believe you. But also, you just look like a white guy, so it's right. it's really <laughs> weird. But my son's gonna go through it too. My son is, yeah. um, you know, he's um, black, white, and uh, and Latino. So he's, you know, it, yeah, he's got like brown skin, but he has straight straight dark brown hair and mm-hmm. like super dark black eyes, like me. And so, yeah, it, who knows what he's gonna end up looking like when he's older. <laughs> poor kid (laughs) but i don't know i think it's good i think it's it's really good and i'm i'm curious like you know dealing with that stuff um and now as an adult like and then being able to play teach rpgs did you explore a lot of that through teach rpgs is that something you still actively do Oh, absolutely. Uh, I didn't realize that I was doing it at first consciously. It was just like, oh, this is an interesting backstory. The very sort of cliche, like, oh, I'm just going to use this TTRPG as therapy, unpaid therapy. Yeah. Uh, but now it is absolutely something that I consciously do. So I'm on the podcast Goblets and Gaze, and mm-hmm. my character for that is a changeling mm-hmm. and part of the big plot of... um. The ongoing arc is that the Feywild has been sort of blocked off and magic is slowly leaving the world, but it's been like that for hundreds of years. And so my character is hundreds of years old and has basically felt the sort of changeling call to the Feywild, ignored it for a little bit, and then it was blocked off and that avenue has been completely like Mm. closed to them. And so they're working really hard now with the group to sort of open it back up, which, you know, has some clear parallels to my life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's so good. Um, I mean, this just makes a compelling story too, but yeah, definitely. I I love, I love that we're able to do that with that system. Like early, you know, when you first started playing, were you, did you have like an, attraction or affinity to like half elves and half orcs and stuff like that as well i think that the i know asians represent has done a panel Mm -hmm. on this which was really good it was a really good panel yeah i think that i was put off by the descriptions of sort of half orcs and half Mm -hmm. elves in the books as or for D D rather um i mean pathfinder is better about it but yeah. for D D as like oh you know you have high charisma so you can sort of slide easily between these two worlds yeah it's like eh, this seems simplistic um yeah. so i think that for that i a gay was much more drawn to like tieflings and things like that yeah that's funny yeah it's um i did find it interesting like the first my first D D 5e character i made was this is not true. My second D and D five E character I made, which, which is the first I actually got to play with, was half drow, mm-hmm. half human. But it was like a situation where it was like the drow found this human who had dark skin and dreadlocks and found him beautiful, and like, mm-hmm. and so she was into that, and they like had this like beautiful relationship together um, before they tragically died because they're D and D parents, right? Um, of course, and so. But yeah, I, I, I also, I agree. Like, I think there was a lot of that same uh, situational stuff of like, this is a weird thing to say. Like, this is a weird way to put this. Um, but I wanted to take it and make it my own and make it feel good for me. And I think that was, um, yeah, it's just tough. Like, it's, it's, so, it's so hard to find, like, what journey is going to work for you in those situations and, and how do you 
pull out the things that you enjoy and are going to make you comfortable at the table. I think that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, there's always the question of, you know, how much are people doing sort of homebrew versus following right. the very specific strict world set out in the D&D or Pathfinder books? Yeah. Yeah. It's So did you get introduced to D&D first or Pathfinder first? So my first TTRPG was actually Dungeon World, okay. uh, which is uh, powered by the apocalypse, basically okay. D&D, but PBTA, uh, mm -hmm. which I still have a lot of fondness for, despite one of the creators being shithead. But um, <laughs> no. So the great thing about Dungeon World is that there are it really invites collaborative lore building. So mm -hmm. there's this move like Spout Lore, where basically you, the player, come up with a piece of lore about the world and then yeah. depending on how you roll it's either true or you think it's true but it is not yeah. um which is just sort of a very cool thing um and yeah. in that i mean i was driven by spite for my first D, &D <laughs> character i read the description of barbarian and i was just like fuck you no i'm gonna play a barbarian but it's not this like savage outsider it's maybe someone who is seen as an outsider because they are but they're just like they like good food and they want to protect their friends like yeah. uh but yeah. after that no i was watching like some critical role and listening to that first adventure zone arc um, <laughs> and playing D D, and then i got yeah. into pathfinder yeah that's really cool um do do you still, I'm, I'm assuming not, but like, do you still live in Florida now or? No. So I am in Southern California right now. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So are you pretty close to Dusty then? I know yeah. obviously like you and Dusty are friends. I mean like proximity wise. <laughs> <laughs> proximity wise, we are in the same apartment. Oh, uh, oh perfect. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's super cool. So I, that I think makes it uh, much easier. Uh, obviously Dusty's wonderful, but I think it's it's super cool that you guys can kind of take that journey together and have somebody there to support you through a lot of this stuff um in a safe way that that you know doesn't feel weird uh and doesn't have like a lot of those bad experiences that a lot of people have to go through getting into TTRPGs, which I'm hoping now, like I'm hoping now that we're getting past a lot of that be just because there's more of us there, but I also know there are a lot of people who don't use Twitter. And if you're outside of that Twitter verse of TTRPGs, like it's, it's a different world. <laughs> try, yeah. to find the right, try to find people like you. So. No, absolutely. I mean, after my first Dungeon World game, which was just like brought together on this like trans server I was in um, and it only lasted like two sessions because it was me. I was in the Midwest at that point. Mm -hmm. Someone who was on like West Coast. Uh, Canada and then someone in like the Netherlands. It was just yeah. impossible to schedule. Yeah. But so <laughs> I wasn't on Twitter. Um, and I was just like, okay, this was really fun. I'd like to continue playing this. And so I found this server for a podcast that was like, oh, hey, we're looking for like BIPOC people to join these games. You don't need any experience. And I was like, oh, great, perfect. And so I joined it and it was great in that i got to play a lot of games but that yeah. was because i was one of three non-white people in the server and they just like needed a token for all of these games to fulfill their diversity thing yeah. uh, but it is where i met both dusty and aki so that's yeah. something good that came out of it 
Yeah, that is something good. Um, yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> it's tough. I look at it now, and it's so hard. Like, there's a lot of people I want to play games with, um, and 95 percent of them are not white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, yeah, I, I don't have anything against white people. I just like I I've met so many amazing Bimpok people that it's just like I just want to play cool games. <laughs> I want to get different perspectives on some of these games that we only see majority white casts in um, because we have different cultural backgrounds and we have different ways of looking at a situation and different relationships with some of the themes in those games and stuff like that. So I think it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially like horror games. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because Bimpop people don't, don't, don't do horror the same way that (laughs) everybody else does. Um, We just don't approach it in the same way. And uh, yeah, I have some ideas that I think would be really fun for that. Yeah. But yeah, so that's super cool. So um, obviously Pathfinder 2E is a game that you seem to love. Am I correct in that? That is very correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Was... Did you play it first with Dusty? Was that the first time you played as well? Yeah. So actually, um, I had been talking with Aki for a bit, and she was like, oh, hey, do you want a guest on Goblets and Gays, which is a Pathfinder podcast? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes, absolutely, because I had listened to it, and I loved it already. I The reason we got close is that I was just blowing up her DMs with like my commentary on the pod, <laughs> because again, I was not on Twitter, and I did not realize they had their own Discord server. Yeah. Um, so I did that and then I was like, oh shit, I've played D&D, but I've never played Pathfinder. And so Dusty offered to like run a game for me uh, to get used to it. And then yeah. the first time I played sort of consecutive se- sessions was on Goblets and Gaze. And then I came back later with a new character. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I think it's um, it's really cool that there's community like that that'll help kind of navigate that stuff i mean when it came to like um you know being queer and trans and stuff like that was that something that you also sort of navigated through these games or do you did that happen earlier in your life and you just kind of i'm hoping that it didn't only for the sake of like it sounds like florida wasn't a great experience and that was like the kind of teenage formative years but i'll let you tell the story <laughs> <laughs> yeah so after florida i went to college in chicago um and then i moved up to boston so definitely sort of better places for being like queer and trans than yeah. florida and I had sort of realized that I was queer um, in my teens, but it didn't really matter. Like, I didn't start dating until after college anyway. I was just like, no, I am focused on my schoolwork. I do not understand that these people I have very close romantic friendships with would like to date me. Yeah. Um, So there was that. And then I sort of figured out that I was non-binary. in my early 20s and started playing tabletop games after a couple years after that but i was very specifically like like i said the first group i played was like all trans it was from a like server for a trans podcast um Mm -hmm. which like i think that that was really important for me in terms of safety yeah just like feeling like okay yeah no i can play like 
this barbarian gnome and they use they them pronouns and that's fine like i'm not gonna have to yell at people about it i think that's yeah it's it's so important to have that that feeling of safety in those groups and it really like it unlocks something in us as players too i can like you can just see it you know whenever people feel comfortable how different it is than when they're playing in a situation where it's just like i'm here because i was asked to be here and no no you know i'm just trying to get through this just trying to get through it yeah absolutely (laughs) where you know when you're feeling safe and comfortable it's like oh fuck yeah i'm super excited about this like i'm ready to have some fun and try some weird stuff and like and just be myself and i think that that is so important to to what we do and to just like bringing people into the ttrpg space um yeah that's super cool do i mean when you're like when you play with new people or people who haven't played games before do you feel like you do specific things to help them get comfortable? So I am playing at this point mostly with either folks I know or folks who know folks I know. Um, yeah. And like my Twitter handle is now a disaster queer. Like they, I feel <laughs> like they should know a little bit of what they're getting into. Um, yeah. And I do sort of make a point of playing at sort of mostly queer tables if not all queer tables and i try really hard to play it mostly like bimbok tables Mm -hmm. so that has been sort of less of an issue for me but absolutely like making sure that we're using safety tools and going over those and having you know depending on table composition or what the sort of pitch of the game is having like a variety of lines and veils like at an all bimpok table i'd feel more comfortable sort of exploring racism yeah. or at like an all trans table exploring like stories about homophobia or transphobia um mm. yeah 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 it's uh it definitely is interesting i think it's it's really fun for myself to just like get into it and and be able to like i mean one because i have so many of these conversations right with my show it has helped me really understand a lot and i think has helped make people feel more comfortable with me and me more comfortable um in situations where i'm where i might be like specifically the minority and not because of my my uh my race and so i i really have enjoyed being able to learn about a lot of different stuff because it helps like kind of open up those conversations and those abilities to play and like understand how to navigate topics without creating issues for people. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like you have to know what's the situation, like what's do those lines and bills and talk about stuff before we play. So we understand like, we are not going to cover this thing. We're not going to go into this stuff and, and know what's okay and what's not. So we can kind of like, make this a fun experience for everybody. But I think too, like when, because I run so many games, because mm-hmm. um, I just, I'm the forever DM. And <laughs> I don't know. It's just sad. Sometimes I want to play too, guys. Um, but because I run so many games, it's it's a situation where I'm like, okay, now I feel like I know how to safely put in stuff that's going to represent my players um, without without hopefully offending somebody or making them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. That's really cool. Do you do you do you ever GM games yourself? So I have GM'd a grand total of once, which was for this wonderful Pathfinder 2E module written by one Navarre. <laughs> if you're gonna do it once, that's the time to do it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, let's actually let's talk about that game. Um, not because I want to shamelessly plug it, but I'm curious and now that we're like talking and not just DMing, like I can get more details. So yeah, you ran that game. 
Um, how did you find it in terms of being able to run it? Uh, it was really great. So it's nice. I have wanted to play a game set in the Manga Expanse for so long, basically, since yeah. I realized that was a thing in mm-hmm. Pathfinder. Uh, so, and the module itself is very well written, very clear yeah. of what's going Thanks. on. There's nice flavor in there about different things. Um, and so, yeah, no, it was just a really smooth experience. My hang up for GMing has all. There have been a couple things, but one of the things is like, I don't know how like monster balance works. And like, so the combat was all good. And then also just having sort of, okay, here's a set path. And I mean, obviously the players like sort of went off the path. They did not talk to a bunch of the NPCs that they should have talked to. Dusty was playing and they were playing a druid. So they were just like, here, I'm going to go ask these trees what happened. (laughs) I was like, you know, sure, that's fine. We can do that's that. Fine. Yeah. I know. I you know what I love about that though is like because that is the true like first time GM experience of like even you have a full plan and it's still like, no, the players will not do this. Um, <laughs> but also, so the the game that you played is the is the um adventure the Praying Must Wait, which for listener of the show is is the first one shot that I did on the show. Um, so when I wrote that for the one shot, all I wrote was the introduction, um, how the characters would get introduced, um, the NPCs and the two encounters, Mm -hmm. um, everything else is improvised. So when I wrote the game for people to use, I just based it on what my players did, um, and then gave options for like, in case shit goes awry, because that's what happens. Right. Um, so I do love that that dusty took it off the rails <laughs> <laughs> of course and i mean yeah. i wasn't expecting anything else i was like oh okay one of my players is playing a cleric so i'll build out this whole character sheet and stat block for this wizard so if you know they're unconscious and the character the cleric is like oh i'll revive them i'll be able to like bring them into contact but they never talked to the wizard <laughs> like that was just <laughs> they they avoided a real tragedy um, so it's not the end of the world. <laughs> My players are like, wait, what? What happened? Um, oh, okay. Can we? Nope. Oh, he got, okay. Yeah. All right. I guess Olo's, Olo's out. <laughs> cool. Let's <laughs> go figure out what's going on. Um, yeah, I love it. That's, that's good though. I mean, but I think that's important. Like you, you had the foresight to plan ahead and be like, Hey, like there's a real chance that this cleric's going to try to do something to change the way that this is set up. So um, I love that you did that because I think it's, again, like I think it's just really cool. I think it's, what I love too is like, this was sort of that GM icebreaker for you, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have now the experience, um, but I think it also hopefully helped to give you some confidence to go like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do these things. Like I can plan and improvise. And uh, now they want to use um, the Mega Primatus as as their homie. So how do we make that work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and it was so much fun. And I think it really was helpful to sort of 
Also, just reading it, I was like, okay, it says it's for a one shot. I should be able to do this in this time. And I shouldn't have worried. Aki was also playing and she has just the most ridiculous dice luck. So I should have known that combats would be faster. But I think it was really helpful for me to be able to sort of calibrate uh, with like, okay, this is, you know, the stat block. This is what's written. And this is how long it's actually going to take to play out. So. Yeah, no, That's doing so it based on uh, like module and adventure path definitely has made me feel more confident in being able to do some more GMing in the future. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you have you got the Moe Expanse yet? Hey, y'all. It's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. You will also get free access to all... Uh, micro RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast. Subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. I have not. Uh, they have um, in there is the Songo halflings, which is um, and they're from what I understand, they're a lot of their lore is based on Caribbean culture. Oh, um, which is really cool. So, um, yeah, there's so many amazing, wonderful ideas in there. Um, I am. Even by the time this comes out, it still won't be announced yet, probably. But I'm I'm doing another short series that's based in the Moinga Expanse that I'm super excited for. It'll be based on a different spot because I like to just like kind of mix up the places. The first yeah. place I did it for my home game was in Vidrian, which is like um, this former colonized city that had a rebellion and they kicked all of the colonizers out. Yeah, um, which has like a lot of fun, um, fun. Uh, story to it and and characterization and stuff like that and and then the laughing jungle which is where the sango halflings live and so those are the two places we kind of explored there but yeah keyway is great um blood cove which is like where um, all the pirates are at um i can't remember the name there's another one that's like this town where like the uh gorilla king um, right yeah it's just so good I mean, there's so much like rich lore in there. It's amazing. Yeah. I was going to say, that was the other thing is that I started looking into the lore for like the Gorilla King and all of that secession stuff because I was like, oh, what if they ask? And then I was like, oh, no, wait, this is interesting. I'm just going (laughs) to keep on clicking through these links. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I know. Yeah. Then you definitely get down like the rabbit hole of, of Archives of Nethys and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm. (laughs) <laughs> gone so far um but yeah i think it i think i love that and i think it's super cool and i'm glad you enjoyed it and you were able to like and it was you know playable for you um because yeah it was the first one i ever did so uh that's super exciting thank you but um yeah so you know when it comes to uh you talked a little bit about 
um, goblets and gaze, but uh, well seasoned stories. Did that happen before or after you you joined goblets and gaze? That happened before, I believe. They were around the same time, but I think it happened before. Uh, And actually, like going back to your point about Bimpa Core, the original idea for uh, Well Seasoned Stories was that it was going to, we were going to do a Monster of the Week anthology with like different GMs bringing in sort of horror stories and monsters from like their own cultures and backgrounds and things that they grew up with that we don't usually see in like Monster of the Week games um which is something that i think dusty is sort of rolling into the uh infinite color things uh we played a game of monster of the week where the villain question mark was la llorona but yeah yeah, no (laughs) yes very much new mexico and and um so yeah la llorona was a real a real fright for us as kids (laughs) that and chupacabras and and like we're just like i don't know like this shit real um who knows but it's still scary (laughs) even if it's not this is me with ghosts too i'm like even if it's not real but like what if yeah and that's the thing like i grew up in in like the middle of nowhere like country of Mm. of new mexico which is like mostly desert um like we have like a strip of oasis along the river and so it was like a lot of just like we'd just be out like you know if we were out like doing like a sleepover or something like we would just be out like running around in like open fields or depending on where we're at like just running down the ditch at nighttime which is like you can't do that anymore but like also probably wasn't safe back then either (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and so like yeah the ditch witch being a real like um this is a possibility in your life right (laughs) it's like what does that sound hang on (laughs) (laughs) let's get back home um so yeah it's uh i love that i think it's it's so much fun but yeah it's it is interesting to see like how to do it and i know dusty has a lot of fun ideas about like bringing stuff into into games and and things like that so this is kind of a tangent but y'all just played some passions right recently yes we were playing it for gehenna gaming so it is a passion slash horror game which is really it's just been it was so incredible the cast was absolutely amazing um and i think that yeah passion is just such a fun game uh passion de los pasiones it's a yeah powered by the apocalypse powered by the apocalypse uh, yeah. <laughs> powered by the apocalypse game based on telenovelas yeah. and it just does such a good job at sort of having playbooks that really bring you into these characters and reward you for being sort of over the top and dramatic <laughs> and making just wild choices um no it was an incredible time yeah that's a lot of fun i think i think it's one of those games like i never watch telenovelas um mostly because i don't speak spanish um but i do enjoy the idea like now as somebody who's done a lot of like ttrpg performing and playing games like i think it's all fun it just seems fun to just like let loose and just be like as wild as possible and make up the craziest storylines that just like this is so convoluted (laughs) ridiculous exactly 
Yeah. Like if you're doing TTRPGs for an actual play, like in general, you're like, oh, I want this to be a dramatic story, but I don't want it to be so much. And I don't want to, you know, fall into these like specific tropes or stereotypes. Whereas for Passion, yeah. it's like there are ways to subvert it. But at its core, you do want to just go all out and just yeah. like make those game time decisions <laughs> of like, oh, yeah, no, I set the room on fire. Yeah. And that's not like derailing. That's like a very legitimate way to sort of move the story forward. Yeah, I love that. I mean, when it came to like TTRPG performance, is that something that you, getting into the game, is that something you initially thought like, oh, this is something I want to do? Or did it just kind of happen? <laughs> so I did theater a bit as a kid. Um, and it was something, performing is something that I've been interested in. But I really just like wanted to play TTRPGs. And this was, you know, 2020, I think when I started. So mid-COVID, like mm -hmm. the only way that I would be able to do it was online. Also, I was living in middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. So even if I could go out, like I would <laughs> find people to play with. Um, yeah. So like looking online and with that group that I mentioned, it was like the sort of the fact that our games were being recorded felt sort of ancillary to me at that point. Um, and as I've gotten more into it, I've definitely felt more strongly about the performing aspect and being like really interested in doing that as well, rather than just like, I want to play. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this, that there's such a difference between like, I want to play a game versus I want to perform for this story that an audience is watching. Yeah. Um, like yeah, the question of, yeah, sure. why is it that, why does it matter if people are like watching your game? Like, what are you bringing to it? That's not just, that's fun for an audience as well as like the people at the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely, you definitely have to be more on. Um, Cause I like, even like this past, was this past weekend? Yeah. This past weekend we played um, our home game. And I was just not feeling well. So I was like, look, I'm not really, and I'm like the charisma caster. So I, I usually have to do all the talking for our group. <laughs> I was like, look guys, I'm don't expect me to talk a lot. Like I'm seriously, I just, I'm going to hang out and, uh, I'll say things like, obviously I'll like jump on to talk, but like, I'm not going to do any, like don't expect monologues basically. Yeah. But in an actual play, you, you have to kind of be ready for that. And maybe the scene goes elsewhere and, and whatever, but like you still, you're there to perform, right? Because you want people to listen, or else why are you doing it? Um, and uh, yeah, I think it it makes uh, it makes a difference. But I think it's a lot of fun if you're willing to take it on and willing to be like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Which I think is like for me because I've had the opportunity to do a few guest spots. I've always enjoyed just being like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna be wild. And just like, sure, I'll yeah. Yeah, no, and one one of the things that's come out for me from being in games that are actual plays that I've also brought to home games is just like feeling comfortable DMing folks and talking about our characters and interactions we'd like to see yeah. and not like strongly planning ahead, but kind of planning ahead of like saying, you know, what if we did this or would you be comfortable if that happened? Yeah. And then just like that spinning out into wild headcanons and alternate universes and like oh this is what would happen if we were both farmers like yeah. <laughs> no i love that i think that works so well though like excuse me i just had hamna on mm. recently and they talked about when they were going to do the the one shot with c talking about like being in that prior relationship right and 
And like I said on on their episode, like that, I was like, oh, they must have been friends for a long time, or like this is like really well, well planned because it was so seamless and it just mm-hmm. felt like it felt very natural. And I think that that, yeah, there's a lot more prep as a player when you're trying to do a performance um, to like really make a thing feel good, or at least you have to be pretty good at, at improv. <laughs> One of those two things, and just like kind of. Feeling the energy of the table. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I know that conversation with Hamna and talking with other folks who've been on Transplaner, just like about sort of the way that Connie preps and plans Mm -hmm. and sort of the idea of sort of plotting out some story beats and telling him, you know, this is what I'd like to do, like, is really great. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, too. I mean, as a GM, like doing these sessions now, it is interesting to, to see like how much more of like, okay, what what's a story you want to tell? Like, mm-hmm. what are some things that you guys want to see in this? And so in a home game where I might, I might do all the prep myself and everything will be a surprise for the players, in an, in an actual play, it, it definitely has a sense of more of like, we're going to tell this story in this set amount of time. And so how do we, how do we achieve these goals and, our, and make sure we're all on the same page and understand like, these are things going to happen. We don't know how exactly it's going to happen, but you know, these are different beats that we're going to hit. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating to look at it all from a an entertainment standpoint and realize how different it is. But you can see that in shows like Dimension 20, where it's like this, you know, they talk about it like, we only have so many episodes to do this thing. I mean, Misfits and Magic was mm-hmm. four episodes, the original. Yeah. And was one of the best actual plays I've ever seen. And, you know, but everybody's on board. Obviously, they're all amazing performers too. But like that helps. And Quiddy, you know, uh, Abria, incredible, yeah, insane as a as a GM. Um, but yeah, but like I think you know. But also, they still have to hit certain story parts and make it in these certain amount of times, and still have surprises and things like that. And I think that that's so cool. Um, whereas I think Critical Role's normal series is just more home game in the sense of like. It's all in Matt Mercer's head and nobody else really gets to know. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that a trap that I have certainly fallen into and I think a lot of people do is thinking like, oh, DMing is just sort of figuring out like what the combat encounters are going to be or like creating NPCs. (laughs) And at least when you're doing it for an actual play, there's so much more about like figuring out the story and story beats and character interactions and how to weave in people's backstories, which is like an incredible amount of work and really, really amazing to watch people do it well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really cool. I mean, it's definitely like the great thing now is that there's so much more inspiration out there for, Mm -hmm. for folks like us to like, look at and be like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, because Brennan is incredible and Matt Mercer is incredible as well, but Connie is fucking incredible. And uh, Jeremy uh, from Three Black Halflings mm-hmm. is incredible as a GM, and Abria and B. Dave Walters, and and so on and so forth. So it's like, yeah, I think it's it's really cool to just kind of have all these different examples, people who all have their own style of doing things, but can all really bring that entertainment level um, to an audience, and and just show and just all tell different stories. You know what I mean? So we're we're getting that variety that we all desperately want to need (laughs) absolutely because yeah i didn't realize like i really didn't realize how much i enjoyed a dramatic story until 
listening to Transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am just transfixed with the show right now. Um, I have a hard time with the YouTubes just because it turns off when I'm like not looking at it. But like, yeah. uh, as far as the podcast goes, I'm pretty much almost caught up completely. They've been releasing Hounds and season four yeah. at the same time right now. So I'm like <laughs> blasting through it. But all that to say, like, I've never had a show have me feel the way that I feel listening to those stories because the actors are so like right. involved and so dedicated to their role. And, you know, like, Dungeons and Daddies was another show that I listened to, which was like pretty much all comedy based. Mm-hmm. But when the season ended, I was just like, okay, that was funny and like it was good. But I wasn't like, I don't know, like I wasn't like upset. I wasn't like tearing up or whatever. Right. Um, and so it's just a different feeling, I think, to have that level of of play and that focus of play of it. This is a story we're telling. These characters are going to feel real. They're not going to feel like, um, you know, cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's fucking so cool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same as you with YouTube videos. So I was so thrilled when Transplanter was like, oh, we're going to start releasing his pods. And then I started listening to it and I was like, oh shit, I listen to podcasts mostly like while I'm at work doing other things. And I actually need to like sit down and focus and yeah. listen and get, let myself be immersed in this story. So I'm much less far than I'd like to be in it because I'm just like, no, I actually want to dedicate time to listening to this. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It, I mean, I, that's, you're not the first person that, that I've heard say that. And it's just like, it really is when it comes to transplanter, like it's very much a, like just it's, it's own separate art form, but you have mm-hmm. to, you have to pay attention. Cause it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, Cause I was talking about like mercy and I was like, oh yeah, mercy means. And they're like, somebody was like, well, yeah, but mercy was in like the episode one. And I was like, I don't, I don't remember that. well they'll talk about like different npcs and i'm like i i don't i don't remember who that is i have to like really think about it i need i just need c to draw all the characters um i know they don't have time but (laughs) it's so helpful though i love seeing like the transplanter character and just like Mm -hmm. i mean i'm obviously on goblets and gays and friends with aki so seeing all of aki's incredible character art for those things and then also just for commissions and just like her drawing her ocs i'm just like oh i can like so much get a vibe i've never played with this character we've never talked about this character i can get such a strong vibe of this character from the way that folks draw art and i'm just always so in awe of people's talent and being able to evoke so much in visual art yeah for sure um yeah see aki and my friend zach from made a role play like all of their work is so good and it and it really does like i'm like oh yeah i could tell like this one, I think they all have distinctive art styles, which is really cool. But also, right. I think like they really bring out specific things about characters. Um, that yeah, you really do catch a vibe. You're like, oh yeah, this is this is incredible. Like I, and it, it helps me because I'm a very visual person. Mm-hmm. So like I love to see what this character looks like. So even like in my home games, I, I always draw my own uh, characters. Um, can't help it. It's it's gonna happen. Um, but a lot of times I'll draw like my friends' characters too, and I think that that helps me a lot. Just kind of like see how that looks um fighting the urge to draw npcs for my for my games is the hardest part because i don't have the time to do it um, but i'm like like although the strong needs a picture and i need to do it because um the vision i have in my brain is just so like vivid um and i i, I think people would enjoy it so yeah know. but it's yeah it just i don't have time for that <laughs> 
<laughs> I just don't. But yeah, so we talked about all the games and stuff, but like, you know, when it comes to writing and game design, um, how, like what initially inspired that aspect for you? Yeah, no, I mean, shout out to Utopia and all yeah. of their lovely caretakers. <laughs> um, they were doing, so for Bimpok Vamp Day, Utopia was like, oh, let's also have a jam for this. I can't remember if it was Jess or Sebastian or someone else. It might have been Mo. It might have been someone else. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, let's make a game jam for vampire games by like BIPOC artists. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, I could do that. And so I just did a simple, it should have been one page. It was, I think, two pages. It's fine. <laughs> a simple like hack of like a Grant Howitt game. And I was like, oh, no, wait, this is actually really, really fun to do. Mm-hmm. And so Hue Shift Jam came along, which was a another game jam for hacking games by other Utopia writers. Yeah. And I had gotten to play in a game of um, I Want Your Bite, which is The Bachelor But a Vampire, yeah. written by uh, Rue. Um, and it was jammed by Connie. And so much of what they brought to that actual play experience, I was like, oh, this is super cool. And it would be cool to like codify that and incorporate it into the actual game. And we had been, I'd been talking with some folks about like, oh, what if we did this, but with warlocks? So the game jam came up and I was like, okay, whatever, I'll write this. And in terms of sort of more original games, the thing that I'm currently working on is a semi descended from the queen. So kind of based on for the queen, it's fun, a little bit out of control (laughs) um, game about basically driven from shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is like the teen supernatural show, but also there are like these interpersonal relationships and messy drama. And so character people are playing as, you know, the sort of the rest of the Scooby gang. Like you're not the chosen one, you're the support. And here you don't have any special powers at the start, but you're Mm. still so important because you're providing that like, care and you know the chosen one is providing care for you too and let's talk about these relationships and how it feels to like know that like you are not the chosen one but also you know realizing the importance of having that community and scaffolding for like making things bigger and just like i don't know kind of disrupting the idea of like the great man of history like all of this was done by one person and it's all based on this one person's great action and really sort of going into what does it mean for like the community around them yeah i love that i think it's that's so true because nobody really gets there by themselves like it it takes a lot of work it takes a lot of people um you know whether it's whether it's just like moral support or actual like doing a thing for you Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I love that. I think it's really cool. Like For the Queen is a game that I think really kind of opened my eyes to like not every game needs to be epic. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like not every game has to be like you're playing in a campaign. Like sometimes just like let's get together and play a fun game where we can still role play, um, but the game ends, you know, after a few hours. Right. And I really, yeah, I really enjoy that because I'm making a game now that is like you have seven days to complete a thing, seven game days to complete a thing. And and then, then the game's over. Like yeah. you succeed or you don't. Um, and I think it's so fun to to just have those moments where it's like, it's almost like 
board games, right? Like a TTRPG board game. Like we just, you could pick it up, you could play it and then, you know, play it again uh, in the future and play it a little differently next time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm also, I love GMless games so much. One of the first games I played was Sleep Away, which is J Dragon's like horror summer camp game. Yeah. And the writing in it is so evocative. But at the same time, GMless games make me so wildly anxious. I'm just like, oh my God, how are we going to move forward? What's going to happen? Like, how do we keep this going? So, something like For the Queen, where it's like, no, you have these specific prompts and you can connect to other people's stories, but we are going to like keep pushing forward and everyone's going to draw new cards and it's going to keep going um, is really great for me. And so for my game, one of the things that I'm doing is having cards relate to specific like NPCs and building NPCs and then you can draw them into the story just because in games of For the Queen or like For the Queers, which is CJ's uh, hack of it, yeah, like I've always felt sort of like, oh, I have this story idea, but I don't want to put that on another character. Like it doesn't quite fit anyone else's character, but I feel weird about bringing in NPCs. So what should we do? Let's just think of something else. Mm -hmm. So sort of mechanizing that and bringing it into the game itself um, is, I don't know, something I'm excited about. This is all just me being like, <laughs> I have these specific anxieties about games. Let me try and fix them mechanically. No, I mean, that's honestly that's a big part of like me and in my own game design. But I think it's first thing I'll say is like, it's important to make a game that you enjoy. Right. Yeah. Like I think that's key. Cause otherwise why are you making it? Um, but two, I will say like in my own, when I'm talking, when I'm looking at game design, cause I'm trying to write these games with new mechanics, you know, what is new in a world where we have so many things, but like pulling from different places and then also finding stuff that I really just enjoy myself and trying to find that stuff of like, I think it's dumb that this, you know, you and I talked about it recently. Like, like if, if I want to like pick up a pillar that's leaning mm -hmm. and I want it to make sure that all other stuff doesn't follow me, like it shouldn't just be a strength roll. Like it should be like, I also have to put my mind into this too. Right. So what skill am I using for that? Or like how certain weapons can only have certain damage types when you're skilled in it. Like if you're skilled in a specific weapon, your skill should matter more than whether it's a four inch blade or a, you know, 36 inch blade. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Cause if you're a badass rogue, like you're going to do damage. Um, so things like that. So like, it just, I think it definitely, looking at things that just don't make sense and then saying, I want this to make sense. And then looking at things that like, I wish that this had this because I, it's always felt like it's, this is something that's needed. Um, and that's how we get innovation and new games and, and things like that. Cause I think, yeah, I mean, I look at like, if you even look at like things from like D and D fifth edition to Pathfinder set to E, like they're different games, even though they use mostly similar base mechanics. Right. right. And it's because they're just two different design styles of like, this is what I want out of this game. Yeah. Um, Cthulhu and Delta Green do that too. Where it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, they're D100 systems, but Delta Green has different ways of handling success um, versus the way that Cthulhu does. And so, but it's just like, what are we trying to achieve? What's, what's the goal here? And how do, we, how, do we, how do we make that without bogging things down? And so, yeah, I love that. I think that's really cool. What you know, and in, in terms of like the mechanic design, was that something that like initially did you find that intimidating, or were you just like did do you feel like it just kind of came to you naturally? 
I think that it's one of those things where you just like have shower thoughts. Like I'm just not thinking <laughs> yeah. about it. And then it's just like, oh, this would be a really cool way to incorporate that. Yeah. Um, Write those down every time. <laughs> I've, exactly. I've lost so many things because I just I was like, no, I'll deal with that tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> or like wake up in the middle of the night, like, mm-hmm. oh, I had this thought. I'll write it down in the morning. No, never no, getting that back. Yeah. <laughs> you will not see it. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, but yeah, shower thoughts. Yeah, no. And so it's been nice because this hasn't been for a specific like game jam, sort of having the time to think on it and iterate mm-hmm. on it. Um has been really helpful for me yeah yeah i i know i i skipped hue shift gem and i skipped the second caltrop core gem mm-hmm. because i was like i have these very specific games that i'm working on that are not a hack and not and not a d4 system and i yeah and i cannot shift my focus because i will lose so much if i do i just have to just do it and just finish this and then i can come back to to those things at a later date. But I mean, like, I think, yeah, I'm sure that won't be the last Hue Shift jam, and I'm sure that won't be the last Caltrop Quirk jam. And so it's like, I think, yeah, you really got to just figure out what's going to work for you and your brain. And um, what I'm learning is that so many of us are just neurodivergent in one way or another. So we really just do what's <laughs> best for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, and I mean, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, to be clear, like the game I'm working on is still basically just like drawing cards. I have not ventured into the world of like dice mechanics the way yeah. that I think that you are. So, yeah. Well, I mean, but it's still, it's still, you know, it's still design, it's still mechanics. And I think it's like, like, like I said, like, what do you want to achieve? Right. Um, Cause it's, it's two different, it's two different things that we're going for. But I think it's, it is fun to just try to explore and figure out like what's going to work and, bring it to people and be like, does this make sense to you? Um, you know, because that's the real test is like, okay, if I don't tell you how to do this, do you understand what yeah. it is um, and what I want? And, and are you enjoying this? This is fun. Um, which I think is like, yeah, that's, that's the tough part. <laughs> Absolutely. But I don't know, but it, yeah. And then too, like I've learned about myself as well that I really enjoy like skill-based kind of scary games like that's that's my thing Mm -hmm. and so i understand that that's not everybody's thing as well um and so it's just kind of like accepting that fact too of like this you know this game isn't for every single person so trying to find the right people to play test it to understand like if this is even a game you're going to enjoy then try it out if not like if you're just going to hate it then Then, it's probably not a good idea for me to get any information from you because you're gonna be like well, this isn't D&D 5A, so I'm not going to play it. <laughs> um, fine, go play D&D 5A. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoy it. I think it's so fun to just get into different games and, and try different things out. And um, yeah, there's so many. I mean, there's too many. I don't know. I don't want to say too many. There's so many indie games out there, though, that it's hard to like find the time to try them all. <laughs> yeah, I have bought so many bundles on mm. Itch, and I'm just like going through them like, oh, all these games look so interesting. I have no time to like read them, let alone yeah. like play games with them. Yeah. Have you tried like a solo RPG, solo R- uh, journaling game or anything like that? I don't want to be alone with my thoughts like that, Navar. No, no. absolutely not. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. So that's just like the same. Like, I'm like, I like people. I'm, so this week's episode that came out was with Jay from Planet Arcana. 
And they were like, yeah, I've been playing Wanderhome by myself. And I've been like thinking about that as I listened back to it. And I'm like, I don't think I could do that. A Daisy too, Daisy May also did that. And I'm like, I just, I don't think that I could sit and role play by myself. Like I just, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like of- I would, my brain would just disassociate from everything that's going on and be like, what are you doing? Right now? <laughs> I mean, Find somebody of- else and play with them, please. <laughs> thinking about it it's like i basically did used to do that i would write these stories in my head so it's yeah. that's you know basically like playing a role-playing game without the actual game but it's mm-hmm. the same mechanics but i don't know at this point i'm just like oof, no i don't i don't want to do that reflection work like we talked about you know D is like free therapy but like the actual more therapeutic way of doing that i don't have the energy for that yeah yeah it's there, uh there it's are some very very cool uh like solo journaling games out there and that i think can be genuinely like really helpful i know there are a lot of games about like working through sort of grief and trauma mm-hmm. that i think are like genuinely great tools um but yeah. not for me at this particular moment in time yeah yeah, I at least need like a one-on-one session, mm-hmm. personally. But I don't know. And even GMless games, I still have a hard time with because I'm like, just, I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you like, okay, well, how's this gonna like? We're at, how are we progressing? And I just haven't looked into it enough. I'm sure people are screaming at me like as they listen to this, being like, just fucking rules for it, Navar. But like, <laughs> I just I haven't looked um, because my brain heard GMless and then it shut off. Yeah. That's, I'm just going to be real. <laughs> That's extremely fair. And I think that there are certainly GMless games that do it better than others. Like there are absolutely games where it's just like, oh, we're just sort of standing around now and talking, which is fun, like, and can absolutely be a mode of play that people enjoy, but is not necessarily like what I was going into the game looking for. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, I don't, I also don't need my GM to control every little second of, the situation either like i think it's it's fine if the game has a gm kind of just be like a facilitator and then step out of the way when they're not needed and i think that's good too but yeah they're definitely i i don't know i love rules and so (laughs) like to know that there's no structure at all it really just it's throwing my brain for a loop so (laughs) yeah no that's extremely valid so like what are like Top three, not in any specific order, games that you want to try. Oh, games that I want to try. That's so hard. <laughs> we just said there's a ton of games, but I'm curious like, if there's any specific that like been dying to try this game and you still haven't. I'm trying to think, and I feel like my head is now empty. Um, do you have like a top three of games that you're, you really want to play? <sighs> I'm, yeah, because I fucking own them and i still haven't played them um, <laughs> uh mass for one mm. um, is a game i've just I'm, i haven't had the chance to play yet cartel is another one um blades in the dark i want to try that game oh i would love to play blades in the dark um mm-hmm. what i've seen like the mechanics are interesting and then also just the the vibes the lore that i've read and that i've heard about i'm just like yes this is extremely my jam um so blades in the dark is definitely one for me 
I, my head is empty of games. <laughs> I can only think of things where it's like, I want to play more of this. Yeah. That's fair too. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think if I had it my way and I could like afford the time wise to like mm -hmm. play, I would have a Delta Green game every week and a Pathfinder 2E game every week. And then like another day of the week where I could just like try new games. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah, those two are like, I just fucking love playing those two games. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But maybe they give me two extra days also so I could GM each of those, but also be a player. Be a player, yeah. Yeah. So I need basically five, five to six to seven game days a week. <laughs> the universe is listening and wants to help me out. If only. Yeah, I am available to play uh, from 8.30 p.m. until 11. Um, <laughs> my time. Not Eastern. I'm sorry for all of my Eastern friends. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to stay up late or, or we just can't play together. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's a real struggle. Like, because I'm just so busy and, you know, I have my kids and those are, they're always going to be my priority. Like, yeah. it, I just, I can't do a lot of the, a lot of the fun stuff. I try. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. We we could talk after this because we can get some Bimpak horror stuff going on and uh, make some plans. So. Yeah, I would love that. But yeah. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, you, where, I mean, as far as like the conversation goes, I think that's where we'll end the recording. But like, you know, where can people find you? Um, all the fun stuff that you're doing. If you just want to tell us again, because. I get a lot of times people are like, you said the person's name in the beginning and then we just never, <laughs> just never say it again. What yeah. do they do? Who are they? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Look at the fucking podcast notes. Like, that's why it's in there. You found the episode by clicking on a button. Underneath that button is all the information you need. But sure, for the people who, who don't want to do that, <laughs> please tell them where they <laughs> Yeah, so I'm Alyssa. You can find me on Twitter and on itch.io at a disaster queer. Uh, mm -hmm. You can also find me on the podcast Goblets and Gaze, uh, the podcast Well Seasoned Stories, which will hopefully be producing new content soon, uh, yeah. the podcast Onomatopoeia, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hey, starting August 8th, I will be on Gehenna Gaming playing Pasión de las Pasiones in a oh, horror yeah. game. Hell yeah. This will come out after that, but I will I will retweet all of that um when it comes out so people know. Um but yeah, so uh super excited. This has been such a fun time to talk to you and and get to know you a little bit more. And um yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You as well. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Until next time.